Welcome to the Hope Collective Message Podcast, where we find a confident expectation of a better tomorrow in the character and promises of God. To learn more about who we are, visit thehopeco.com. Here's today's message. Tables. They come in a myriad of shapes and sizes, colors and materials. But the purpose of a table has remained the same since the beginning of time. A place to belong. At tables, we are face to face. We can share our lives, our dreams as well as our disappointments, our hopes as well as our hurts. The first table God made in the garden was His perfect presence everywhere to be enjoyed by all. But after His kids ran in shame for what they had done, He began to build a table that would welcome them back, one that had a place for shame and regret. Because what He would do at that table is make everything new. He has been setting this table for people all over the Lake County area, but still too many don't know that they are welcome. Too many feel they have no place to belong, and they are starving to be seen. They are dying without hope. So God gave us, as the Hope Collective, the dream to build bigger tables, a place for Him to give to others what we ourselves have received. Hope. Because Jesus is our hope, and hope belongs to everyone. So let's build bigger tables. Let's give hope. It was in March of this year that that video aired during our capital campaign for the first time. What does it look like when Jesus, who is hope, hope has a name, it's Jesus. When we say hope, we're not talking about what the world's talking about, which is wishful thinking. We're talking about hope, God hope, biblical hope, a confident expectation of a better tomorrow based on the character and promises of God. He is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he's going to do. And what happens when we give that hope? What happens when we give Jesus give hope. That idea that we could build bigger tables and invite people who've experienced that hope to our tables, that we would put a leaf in some of our tables because we have been exclusive instead of inclusive. What would it look like to be a church that stands up in a world that needs hope and says, we have the answer to that? And it's Jesus to give hope to our world. As we go in uh, this morning, let me give you a little heads up. This is heavy. Heavy in the sense of, we're going to give you the whole vision. 
Um, I have been excited about this. For the first time, I feel like this vision has come in full picture. That doesn't mean that we know what God's gonna do from now until to eternity. We just know what the vehicle looks like called the Hope Collective that he's gonna use to accomplish that, at least for this season. And it's clear, we don't know how it's gonna impact the world or your life, but we know it's gonna radically shake things up. Isn't that good? We also know that this is what he's been doing over the past six years. So here's the question that we want you to wrestle with as we go through this morning. Where is God calling me to join him in his mission as part of what he's doing through the Hope Collective? See, because here's what Give Hope was all about. It was all about what God is doing in me because he wants to do something through me. It's that we have experienced an invitation to the table that God is setting and what would it mean to invite others to that table and then make room and build bigger tables because that's what hope does. It actually impacts the world. So here's the question that we want you to wrestle with all morning. Where is God calling you to join him in his mission as part of this church? On October 4th, 2020, we changed the name of our church right in the middle of a pandemic. Crazy? I know. For 30 some years, 38 years up to that point, we were Alpine Chapel and I have to tell you, if it wasn't for the people who did what they did over those 38 years, we wouldn't be here today. Those people laid the groundwork and set the table and we are grateful. But we felt like God was doing something new and we felt like who we were and who we were becoming as a church needed a new identity because that's often what God does. And we had had this idea and heart of hope put upon us and a mantle of God's mission to go bring hope to the world. And so we said, what does it look like to be a group of people, the church, who are bringing hope to the world? That church is no longer something you go to. Let me say that again. Uh, let's, as participatory as you want to be this morning, you can be to an extent. The reason that we haven't impacted the world in which we live in as God's church is because you can't impact something you reflect. And the reason we only reflect it is because we are people who have learned to go to church instead of be the church. The Hope Collective is not a church you go to. It is something you are part of. It is the thing that God is doing in the world today. And the thing that is attacking the church today more than anything, and I didn't say this first service, so it must be needed now, is the dual-mindedness of Christians who think they can live one way all week and come in and act differently on a Sunday. Sunday morning Christians don't change the world. Everyday followers of Jesus, relying fully on the Holy Spirit's power, change the world in which they live because it's God who does it. Period. And so that's the thing that we're signing up for. And so about six years ago, we looked at the church, and can I just be honest? We looked at the church, and we looked at ourselves included, and we said, man, we are really good hearers of the word, but just not amazing doers. We walk out and say, that was a great message, but we struggle to apply it. And so we looked at that and we said, you know what? For most people, the reason that's true is because Jesus is a value-add proposition to our pursuit of the American dream. He's a little tag-on. And when it's convenient, we'll lean into him. And he actually won't be that. And so we stood as a church and we said, hey, death to the American dream. Because it promises a hope it can't fulfill. 
And we live in a world that is numbing itself trying to accomplish it. And it will never accomplish it because there is only joy in Jesus. And out of that, we said, what would it look like if Jesus wasn't a value add, but he radically redirected our hearts? And when that happened, our time and our talent and our treasure went toward God. And you know what that causes us to do? It causes us to realize that this church doesn't have a mission. Aren't you glad you're part of a church that is missionless? Some of you are like, if you're in business school, you're like, no, that's poor. That's not how it's supposed to go. We don't have a mission because God has a mission. And God, God's mission is his church. And so what is God's mission ultimately? God's mission has a church, but God's mission is this. Are you ready? To reconcile the world to himself through Jesus Christ. That's the mission of God. That's what we have jumped in and joined because we're not out there asking God to bless what we're doing, but we're joining what God's blessing. Did you know God beats you to every place you go? Before you get there, he's there. Before you get to your job, he's there. Before you get home, he's there. Before you get to your neighborhood, he's there. And he has already been working. Stop messing it up. Just join him on the mission to reconcile. What that made us, by Paul's words, is ambassadors of reconciliation to this world. We are now reconcilers of this world, and that caused in us to say, we have, we have a kingdom life that we're supposed to live, not to be dual-minded, but to be Christ-minded, to chase down God's kingdom, not my kingdom. What does it look like when we give ourselves to God's kingdom? Well, it looks like Jesus becomes our hope, and people become our passion, and worship becomes our response, and community, our design, and serving our privilege. You know where I'm going right now? And faith, our foundation, and scripture, our guide, and generosity, our norm. That's kingdom life. You look in the mirror, and you see those qualities. And then we said, what would be a strategy of a church that's joining God in his mission to reconcile the world to himself through Christ? And it was real easy. We just looked at Jesus and we said, Jesus, how did you do that? And he did it by fostering a rhythm of relationship because it's the rhythm of relationship that was broken in the garden where we lost our identity and our vocation. That's why everybody in the world wants to know who they are and why they're here. That's why Jesus came to give it back to us. And so what would be this rhythm of relationship? Well, he was constant in his relationship with God. He was constant in his relationship with other believers. He called them to himself and he was constant in his relationship with a lost and lonely world. And so we said, well, then we need to develop that rhythm in our lives, this up, in, and out rhythm of life. And so what our strategy has become is three G's. And you've heard them. Matter of fact, our lobby is set up to recognize them. It's the rhythm we invite people who call the Hope Collective home. It's the rhythm we invite you into. We gather to glorify. We group to grow. And we go fight giants of injustice. It's becoming the justice-seeking church. It's leaning into who we are and who we're becoming. And some of you right away when I said justice lost yourself. And I get it. Because the, word is, the world has taken justice and corrupted it and weakened it and sold it. We're not talking about social justice. We're talking about gospel justice because we believe in a just God and we believe in taking down injustice where it stands because that's not God. Here's the difference. Social justice is about cause and we join a cause because being part of the cause makes me feel good about myself. Gospel justice is to not worry about the cause but fight for the heart that the cause is tearing apart. See, we believe there are five global giants of injustice in this world. Spiritual emptiness, poverty, illiteracy, disease, and oppression. 
And those same exist in Haiti. They exist in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. And God has not called us to fight just the giants because he does that. He's called us to stand for the hearts that those giants oppress. That's what it means to be the justice-seeking church. Can we redeem the word? It's a gospel justice. It's a God justice. What does it look like to gather to glorify instead of gather to survive? Where Sunday's not the beginning of the week and you get your fill so you can make it through the week. No, it's the end of the week where we come and celebrate the goodness and greatness of God because he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he's gonna do. That we actually group to grow, meaning we get in groups realizing that you only heal and you only discern and you only grow in community. And so we hold space for each other's hearts so that we can shepherd one another to the healing the Holy Spirit has for each of us so we can actually share a gospel message that has transformed our lives. Because how can you take people where you haven't been? And then we go fight giants of injustice. Why? Because that's what disciples do, folks. At the core of this whole thing has to be chasing the lost, the last, and the least. Because he's done it for us, we want to see him do it for them. And so we grow our tables so that when he does, they come and have a seat. That's the strategy that God has given us. And here's what's crazy. In this Give Hope campaign that we launched... We all brought to the table the fact that we want to be part of what God is doing here in this give hope. You need to understand that's already happening. The foundation, we're building the foundation, building the family, building the future. The foundation is, is taken off already. The things, the things that are going on here in this church and what God is doing in and through people, Christians aren't just forgiven at this church, they're free too. Did you know you can be more than forgiven? You can be free? That the places of harm and trauma and abuse and lies in your life can be redeemed by the power of God and no longer negatively impact your present, but allow the Holy Spirit to work in it and you impact the world because of it? Man, now we're preaching and I just went over. I'm coming, here it is. Wrapping this up. Because I want you to hear this vision, but I, I, for those of you who have missed out, that, that's the precursor. That's what God's been doing. That's the foundation. Everything that's given to this thing is setting the foundation more and more every day. And here's what's crazy is we think that we've done a really cool thing by giving $8 million to this vision. Guess what? God does the cooler thing because he always multiplies what his kids give. This is what I'm trying to get across to you. God is a multiplying God. He multiplies whatever you give. If you give him your time, he multiplies it. If you give him your money or energy, he multiplies it. If you give him your talents, he multiplies it. See, giving hope is so much bigger than a capital campaign. It's the thing that God's doing in the world when he gets kids get a hold of his kingdom and not their own. Some of us are so busy building our own kingdom and throwing our own wealth into our own kingdom. We've forgotten about God's, but God hasn't and his church hasn't. And I want to be a people that stops building our kingdom and starts building his because the impact's way better. Let me, let me illustrate. Going crazy here. How many of you need visuals? I need visuals. This is a two-foot cone. Don't argue with me. It's two-foot. Some of you want to go, no, it's way more than that. It is. But right now, for the sake of the illustration, it's going to be complicated. If it's more than two-foot, we're going two-foot. Okay? It's a two-foot cone. I want to talk to you about the multiplication and how God works because if you take this cone and you double it 10 times, you want to see what might happen if that were to happen? Let's check. If you take this two-foot cone and you double it once, two plus two is what? Four. Boom, you double it again. Four plus four is what? You double it again. Eight plus eight is what? Man, aren't you math folks just really excited right now? You're like, this is church! <laughs> Sixteen plus sixteen. 32 plus 32, 
64, we've already gone past the height of this church five times. Just with five times doubling. 64 plus 64? 128 plus 128? It's losing some of you now, right? Some of you are going, this is, I'm done, that was it. 512, 512 plus 512? 1,024, you're way ahead, aren't you? You figured out what the next one is. 1,024 plus 1,024? 2,048. 319 feet higher than the tallest building in Chicago. Just 10 times doubling a two-foot cone. See, you and I, we bring our time and our talent and our treasure. And we say, that's pretty amazing. But God goes, oh, you haven't seen nothing yet. Because when you bring it to my kingdom, I, I multiply it. And I take it further than you ever could have thought. And the vision you're about to hear is God taking his church further than we could have ever thought. And I want to describe this to you. And I want to bring some people up to talk about it. And it's going to mess with your mind a little bit because it's going to be a lot. How many you can handle a lot right now? How many? Yep. Yep, how many of you are ADHD in the room or ADD? That's me. Okay, get out a piece of paper right now and just doodle while we're doing this because it could be helpful and then take notes on top of it. But I need you to focus here because guys, this is where God's taken us and the, the, the picture has come together in a way where actually the justice-seeking church looks clear to me, it looks healthy to me and I'm excited about it and I wanna be part of it and I can't imagine missing out on it. I'm going to illustrate it to you real quick in this way, in an organizational chart. I don't believe the church is a business. I believe it has business, but I believe this is the best way for you to see how this works. First of all, if you look at this chart, the first one, we are the Hope Collective. And that Hope Collective is a church. It is a justice-seeking church. When I say justice, I am talking about gospel justice. It is a justice-seeking church. We have an elder board. We have elders that lead this church. As the lead pastor, I am one of those elders. I am the leader amongst equals. These men are not yes-men, as we have seen in our culture. By the way, this is a top-down visual, but we are not a top-down-led church. We do not believe in power over or loading or lording over. We believe in servant leadership. We believe in empowering the people. I don't even care if you see me on Sunday. I don't care if you see me anytime. We need to be a people that take the church back and be the church. That's what's true. But just go with me for a second. As part of leading this church, I have an executive pastor. That executive pastor oversees what you see up there will be explained in just a second. But the staff that sets this place up so that you can live in the rhythm of gather to glorify, group to grow, and go fight giants. And in the process, experience spiritual formation in your life so that forgiveness and freedom happens. You're becoming a disciple of Jesus so that free people go free people and the world comes to know Jesus. If the world isn't coming to know Jesus because the church is coming to know Jesus, then we're not coming to know Jesus. Period. I'm yelling. These last couple of years, we believe God said that the way we need to be outwardly focused as a church is through a hope center. Being a center of hope. That hope is for the whole person. That three people are impacted by hope. Those who have it should act like it. Those who need it never apologize for it. And those who don't think they need it will come alongside and fight. And to see a farm come up out there and to see a special needs playground come up out there and to see Hope Legal spring up and counseling and freedom ministry and the things that are English as a second language that are coming up because the church is getting free and saying, I have these gifts and talents to give and now we can focus outwardly. See, if we just have volunteers, church, we will have a Hope Center. God forbid we have to keep coming and begging for volunteers in a Hope Center. But if we have disciples, we will be a Hope Center. 
it just will happen naturally. And so we, the way we are locally invested, if you'll put up that next slide, the way we are locally invested is a Hope Center. And we have a Hope Center director. But before I, let me introduce our executive pastor. Jeremy, come on up. Would you give Jeremy a hand? I'm going somewhere. Our Hope Center director, we just brought on and is absolutely killing it right now and leading us on a journey. By the way, this Hope Center is its own 501c3 charitable organization that can now receive funds from the outside so that the things we're doing for the community, the community can partner with us in. People who wouldn't give to a church will give to a charitable organization. Terrence has stepped into that this, this past couple months. Give Terrence a hand. So we're locally invested, but see, I think the justice-seeking church is more than locally invested, it's globally focused. When it's healthy, discipleship is happening, and discipleship is the new evangelism. And when discipleship is happening, people will go reach others for Jesus, locally and globally. And so we've, God has led us to form an organization that plants the justice-seeking church, that raises up the justice-seeking church all over the world. It's called M68, our global initiative. M68 is Micah 6.8. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. You'll see in this that of the 10 elders, three elders sit on the M68 board, three sit on the Hope Center board, and three sit over the Hope Collective so that when we all come together, it stays tied together. See how that works? And we have just stepped in because of the initiative of Give Hope and because of your giving, and we were able to hire an M68 executive director, Micah. Would you please, John, would you give Micah a warm welcome to the church? This is what it looks like to be the Hope Collective, to be locally invested and globally focused. Now you're asking the question, right? Where is God calling you to join him in his mission? Maybe it's locally, maybe it's globally, maybe it's helping make disciples, and maybe it's all three. Let's see. I wanna introduce you to Jeremy. Jeremy, as we talked about a year and a half ago about what does it look like to gather to glorify a group to grow and go fight giants? How do you get busy people to engage that model? Would you just kind of take us on that journey? Yeah, so... All those things he just said that was, yeah, that. It was like he kind of put it all in a box and brought it in and dumped it on a table and was like, this is cool stuff, but we got to make something out of it. And I was like, okay, because it has to work. It actually has to do something and not just be cool stuff to talk about. So as I'm wrestling through it and I'm trying to figure out and pray and talk and listen to Dave and, and, and try and work out how do we become the kind of church that God is calling us to be with these three G's, with these values that we've expressed. Uh, the challenge for me was twofold. One was to think through how do we build something biblically grounded that's deep enough foundationally that we can talk about it and say, hey, this will work ongoing, but simple enough that we can say, hey, uh, this is easy to explain and anybody who comes in the door, we can just say, here's what we're about and here's what this whole Christian life's about. And as we started talking about biblical community, the key that kept coming back to me was that biblical community always should be grounded in the concept of the Trinity, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have been in community together, the three of them, for all eternity in perfect unity. And they didn't need to make us. They didn't need to make you and me. They, in fact, theologians like to wax poetic about the fact that we were created out of the overflow of the love of God, that he couldn't help but create and so as I started thinking through biblical community and I started to wrestle with, okay, how do we actually make this work? Because I got to explain it to you simply, what's the whole point of the Christian life? You know, like one sentence. And I went back to a quote by Richard Foster, 
the well-known author who probably borrowed it from a medieval theologian who probably borrowed it from Augustine who probably just picked it up from Paul. So, you know, just carry it all the way back. But it was that uh, Christians were are people who are becoming uh, conformed to the image of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of the Father. So I went right back to the Trinity again and realized that the Trinity was actually the ground. And so now I'm trying to think through, okay, how do we explain this in our language? This is the way I put it, that the goal of the Christian life is to glorify the Father by growing to be like the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit to go fight giants of injustice and make more disciples. There's your three Gs. And then I had to figure out how to build a model for an organization off of that. And I'm fairly visual, like Dave, I, I can appreciate the cone, although I was trying to figure out how many cones that would be stacked to cover the Willis Tower, or Sears Tower, depending on how old you are. Um, but, but the thing that I wrestled with was, uh, I'm trying to figure this out, and I'm staying awake at night, and I'm trying to, and I wake up in the middle of the night one night, and I'm like, I got it. And Dave likes to joke that it had been staring me in the face the whole time, but it actually was a tattoo on my back, so it was a little harder to see. Like, you don't really look at your back as often. Uh, so this is a triquetra. It's an ancient Christian symbol that helps you understand the relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because they are not and cannot be divided. To see one is to see them all. You can't break pieces of this off. And so if we're glorifying the Father... We're growing to be like the sun, and we're going Holy Spirit. Now, the simple process of becoming a Christian is tied to the biblical community notion of what it means to be part of the Trinity and how they engage. But I had to build a model for an organization off of it, and the thing that kept coming back to me was uh, a really important thing that Dave just mentioned, and, and it's a small detail for some people to think about, but the church is not a business, and, and so if you start with that notion, which a lot of churches have, you wind up with metrics and KPIs and all the wonderful business things you talk about, but how do you measure the transformation and freedom of a heart? That's a little trickier to pull off if I'm going to turn it into a business because business leads to business ends. So I get business means. The church isn't a business. If anything, the church, the closest thing I can give you, if you want to know what organization it looks like in the world, the church is like an embassy. It is a place that's planted somewhere else to represent a thing that doesn't exist in that space. We are an embassy. This is an embassy of hope to the world around us. We represent the kingdom of God and what he's trying to tell the world is possible, not the country and the world that they live in because we are in the world but not of it. This is in our home or our country so if this is like an embassy, we have business, we hire staff, we have policies for taking care of kids. I'm not saying we don't own property, but we're not one. We are an outpost of hope to the world that needs it desperately. So how do we organize like that? And I thought, well, this is actually fairly simple now because realistically from there I can say, well, if it's the point is to glorify the Father, uh, that's just we gather to glorify. So if we put the next slide up and we built out and basically said, we actually have staff to do each one of these things to make sure that we head this up. So you had Alex Hartman in here earlier talking about this transformation that's going to happen in this space because we gather to glorify God. And we gather to glorify what the Father is doing from the beginning and all throughout in us, through us, in the world. 
And then we group to grow because that's how Jesus did it. The incarnation of Jesus is presence with us, face to face, to live in community so that we become more and more like him. That's how we grow. And Natalie, Mud does a fantastic job leading children's and youth and young adults and all the ministries that go along with that that you can see up there. And then finally, the last G is to go fight giants. And we have a hope center, but if we're not careful, this gets split. And we often tend to, when we start making groups and community, when we form a circle, we tend to form a circle facing in, not facing out. So how do we be the people that actually bring hope to the world like Dave's talking about? And Donna Reamer does a fantastic job serving as a bridge between the two of us. Yeah, you can give it up for them. Yeah, and, and they're... And to be clear, in, in two weeks, I'm going to bring them all up here, and we're going to talk about this more in depth so you can actually hear and see what we're talking about. But in the process, I also realized that there were three things that the Trinity tends to do over time. They do a lot more than that. But the Trinity, as they're engaging, God, you're going to see the next slide, uh, tends to do at least three things. One, tends to do creative work. God creates. And we're, oh, I'm sorry, I totally forgot about this. Somebody asked me one time, well, where's evangelism? Um, first of all, I don't think it's a good idea to have a person who's in charge of evangelism because then it's their problem. That's not the kind of church we are. Every single one of these G's only works, and this is key, if you see this not as a flat thing but as a spinning. Think like fidget spinner, and it's moving. It's never static. It's never in one place. It's constantly moving as we move through this process, and that energy draws people to it. When you're talking about gather, it's people who are looking for hope because they're actually looking for truth. And some of them right now are watching online. They don't come to our church anymore, okay? They don't come here. They watch online to see if they're, but they're trying to find truth. So they'll come and they'll listen to us. And if that works, they'll be drawn to us. But a bunch of them actually are in your neighborhood and they come to a Bible study or a cookout and they actually just need hope in their relationships, they need people around them just to support them. And as you do that, and you start showing them the hope of Jesus, they get drawn back into biblical community as well. And there's some people who are looking for hope because they have physical needs, things they actually have to have taken care of. And as you meet those needs, we have found consistently, we just keep hearing stories over and over again of people who are being drawn from the Hope Center and just meeting their physical needs into this space to find the hope of Jesus. There's three other things that we need in this space, though, because if I just do these things, there's pieces that are missing in terms of how we engage as a church. So the first one is that uh, we actually need creative work. We need people who can actually create beautiful things and help us see clearly what we're trying to do. We're in the process, if you saw the newsletter this week, of trying to find a new creative director, somebody who will come in and help create visuals, because I could have sat here and explained this whole thing by myself, and you'd gone, I get the words, but isn't it easier when you see it? Isn't it easier when we put beautiful things around us and use the creative gifts and talents God gave us so that we can communicate clearly and truly? We also have a fantastic spiritual formation pastor in Alex Galler. You've been enjoying him the last couple of weeks and thinking through how do we, yeah, give it up. How do we do discipleship well? How do we actually help people be formed? And, and if you're arguing with me, uh, well, I don't know how you're going to say this is the Trinity. I just encourage you, go read Genesis 1. So in the beginning, God created I'm, I'm done. I already finished one of them. And the second one, it says that God formed humans out of the dust of the ground, and he's been forming them ever since. I don't even have to get out of Genesis 1 just to get through the first two. 
And it also says that God in the beginning spoke. So that last one is about the connection, that we get God is a God who communicates. And something I realized as we started messing with this and working through it and trying to play with it and experiment with it over the last year is, if we're going to be an everyday over one day church, but you all only show up one day, we've got to become a communication organization. A place that actually communicates, not just to us, but to other people. So we have people like Megan March and Alex Galler, who's those two tandem working to create processes and systems to make sure you hear about all the stuff that's going on, all the volunteer opportunities, all the hope that's taking place. And then to surround that with just two other staff members who we have, last slide, is uh, we have Aisha Benkershuto, who is kind of managing all the administration organization, the project managements, and bless her if you see her uh, managing Dave's schedule. So just, uh, just managing Dave, trying to keep all that together. <laughs> it takes a few people, let's be honest. And then finally, finances and facilities that Aaron McGinn uh, and, and is basically making sure that all of our money's in order and all the things. This is the foundation that we've been talking about building. If we build this foundation well, which we're close, this foundation has the capacity to start pushing and spreading as it spins and does what it's supposed to do. You live an up, in and out life. You will start to share hope in ways that you have never seen before, and it starts to spread out. So what does hope look like when it goes out in the community? You know what it looks like? It looks like a hope center. Tell us about that, Terrence. A what? A, a hope, hope center. center. Everybody, a hope center. center. Praise the Lord. Everybody. Listen, I am Terrence Wallace. I'm the new executive director for the Hope Center. Can I like participation? Is that all right with the rest of the crew here? If you are a part of the Hope Center in any form, if you're a volunteer or you are a leader, can you please stand? Come on, clap your hands. So slow. Now, stay standing, stay standing. If you are someone in the building who has ever needed hope, please stand. Dave talked earlier about exponential growth of hope. This is our uh, Sears Tower or Willis Tower. This is how hope grows. You may be seated. Now, the Hope Center is the outward-facing part of the Hope Collective that goes out into the community to give hope. It appears sometimes as though it's only for those that are in need of hope, but those of us who stood first were the people who are actually giving hope. That means that you found the thing that God has called you to do in his kingdom for the world. Now, if you're anything like I was before I found out what my purpose, my calling, the thing that God created me for to give hope, because all of us have it. Every single one of us have something that we were created for. The Hope Center represents a hub of people who were people of hope, then became places of hope to share that hope to a number of people around our community, the Lake Zurich, Lake County, and around the world who need hope. So I want you to pay attention, all right? Pay close attention. I'm going to get through this in eight minutes. Hope for the whole person. Everybody say, hope for the whole person. Now, some people think, well, well, how do you do that? Like, how do we become hope for a whole person? Every one of us go through situations in our lives where at some point we need hope as everyone stood, right? 
the Hope Center's mission, right? The Hope Collective mission is about Jesus, right? Huh? So there's no mission here, right? Right, Pastor Dave? I can't hear you. Okay, thank you. Yes. The mission of the Hope Center is, the mission of the Hope Center is to help restore what is broken in our world. Everybody say in our world. In our community. And here's where it really comes home, in each other. So that's all of us. There's no separation here. The thing that I love most about the Hope Center is that it's the bridge that we get to build to uh, the outward-facing church to invite people, our guests, into our biblical community. Because we realize that the true need for every individual on this earth is Jesus. Have you ever had a need that Jesus could not fulfill? If you do, let me tell you, it's because of your own self. But if you come completely surrendered and submissive to him, I guarantee you that your needs will be met. Come on, give God some praise. The Hope Center is its own 501c3, all right, which means that it's a standalone, not-for-profit, out in the world doing good work with these wonderful people from the Hope Collective, all right? And I'm just privileged that I get the privilege of being um, one of the people who participate on that team. Now, there's a number of services. I can list them all out, but you probably already heard them, and you're probably like, Terrence, give us a break. I'm going to give you a break today. But there's one particular area that I want you guys to really think about as a part of the Hope Collective, and that's um, celebrate recovery, which means that we all have some form of uh, of bad behavior uh, patterns that we've created in our own life that are not producing or allowing us to get to where we want to go. So I want you to look up celebrate recovery and you go out to the back to the um, Hope Hub in the back, Hope Center Hub, all right? And then also biblical counseling. Now, this is a group of trained individuals on biblical counseling Now, these aren't the same people I went to. I went to a therapist, like I needed help, like for real. I had a whole lot of trauma in my life and I needed some people, but the therapist helped me in some ways, which was good, but I also needed that biblical spiritual guidance counselor. And that's what these group of individuals are. So I wanna encourage you, if you come to the Hope Collective, like this is a big one. During the pandemic, there were a number of people who got church hurt because the doors of the church was closed. The Hope Collective, Pastor Dave, praise God for you, because that's when I actually start coming here more frequently, was during the pandemic. Um, We came here, and we came here with all of our baggage, all of our trauma that we experienced through church. This group of people can help you navigate that. So I want to encourage you to participate in that. Now, some of our other service areas are sitting out in the congregation right now or online. You are carrying something that the world needs. You're carrying, maybe God's giving you an idea around, say, for instance, Hope Fitness. <laughs> or maybe a thrift shop, Pastor Dave. Or maybe you have something that you've been holding on, sitting on, saying, man, I wish I had the opportunity to do this. Well, the Hope Center allows you, a person of hope, to come into a process for us to help you get that thing that God has inside of you out to the rest of the world so that they can experience light in a dark moment of their life. Come on, clap your hands. Next, we're going to keep going because, you know, I'm on a timer. I got four minutes left. Now, this next slide is about our branding. Like, these are the things that you could see, right? 
things that you're going to start seeing around the place, um, very, very well crafted by our, our, our branding person. Her name is Katie. She was here at early service. Really talented young lady. She created all this stuff amongst with her team um, for you guys to purchase. So when, it, when you guys see this, say, oh, you know, I need to have that. Like, it's the next Gucci belt or something, okay? <laughs> Louis Vuitton, Prada, whatever you wear. Maybe it's Gap. I don't know, but listen. Let's, let's start supporting Hope Center, okay? Right? Can I, get, can I get that? Can I get all the teenagers in the back to say, yep? Yep, there we go. Thank you. All right, I'm going to keep going. Let's get my phone back on. All right, now, let's, the last thing I'm going to talk about is our logo. So the logo is really interesting. Can you get our logo up? Go to the description of the logo, please. Right, the logo is really interesting to me because if you're on your phone, now I don't know if you got an iPhone or Android, but every phone has focus, right? It's focusing on an individual or whatever you're taking a photo of. I like this because they really thought out what this logo meant. And those five dots that you see around, check this out. The logo used five dots represents the global giants of injustice, which we've been talking about. That's really powerful. Um, the dots also symbolize coming together, mobilizing God's call. God calls his people to pursue in, the, in his mission. So this is really, really well thought out. It connects to everything else that we're doing with the Hope Collective as well as our global, global side of things. Now, I'm going to take these last two minutes to, to, to come off of strip for a minute. Now, yeah, I asked you to participate for a reason because I want you to remember I'm the only black dude up here, right? <laughs> So I want you to remember, remember me, because I want you to remember this. When you remember me, I want you to remember that there is a unique gift that God has implanted inside of you. If you don't get out the boat and begin to walk on water, because sometimes that's what it is, fear is a faith eraser. The moment you step out the boat, doubt starts kicking in, all the things from your past, all the negative things people have said, but the hope center exists so that you don't have to walk that journey alone. There are a group of us, um, and, and Dave being the leader, he births dreams every second. Literally, I gave light bulbs a few Sundays back, and let me tell you, this guy has just pop, 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 pop. His, he probably, you need another light bulb? Okay. If you don't have a light bulb, this is what we want you to do. We want you, whatever the idea is that God has placed on your heart, I don't care if it's really big or really small, God has put it there for a reason. It may not be right here for Lake Zurich or Lake County, but it may be global. What I love about this entire vision is that we're not just locally focused, but we're, we're, we're lo sorry, locally invested, but we're globally focused. And so Micah and M68, what they do is they take what's transferable and they send it all around the world. So your money, your, your talent, your treasures, everything that you do here has a connection around the world. Come on and give God some praise. Now I'm going to hand it to my brother Micah. Everybody make Micah feel very, very welcome. Hey, everybody. I'm, I'm Micah uh, Kephart. I've been behind the scenes for a few years. Uh, to many of you, I would always introduce myself as just Dave's friend. 
And um, by the grace of God, he's uh, taken me from behind the scenes and put me back on the front lines of ministry. And I couldn't be more excited about what's going on here. Um, the question I have, and maybe, you know, you have as well, is like, how did we get here? How does this happen? And um, before I was, uh, before I met Dave, before I encountered Alpine Chapel, uh, I led a nonprofit organization for 10 years. So I've been a part of uh, relief and development and church planting initiatives all over the global south. Um, Southern Africa, Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe. I mean, some really, really hard places where the need is so great. And I was introduced to this type of need with the uh, HIV AIDS crisis, okay? I was invited a long time ago to just um, lead worship at a conference to help educate young people um, about HIV and AIDS. I had no idea. The things that we took for granted of what we knew about the disease, the misinformation and the lack of education was just staggering, especially for young people in sub-Saharan Africa. And as I began to engage this issue and start to hear the stories of some of the young people, I realized that it, it wasn't just a lack of education. It was a fact that many of them like, couldn't even go to school because they themselves were orphaned by HIV and AIDS. So they had no resources and couldn't go to school and came from extreme poverty, uh, not having a job or work, making them susceptible to uh, exploitation and trafficking. And my head began to spin because when I started to look at the complexity of these issues, it was like an onion and a spider were procreating. Just picture that. The layers. And once you would attack one issue, guess what? There was another issue, and then another issue, and then another issue. And man, it can, it can cause paralysis. And I honestly think that most of the churches across North America, the need is so great that it just creates paralysis and confusion. Like there's, we don't know what to do, there's nothing we can do, and so we'll just try to grow as big as we can. Right? And so I have been a Bible salesman. I have been a well digger. I have been an income generator trying to teach pastors how to take care of chickens. I know it just sounds crazy. All this just sounds crazy. Trying to figure out how to beat these issues. And when one was addressed, the other would, another would pop up. And, but what I began to see, I began to see patterns all over the world, it didn't matter where I was going. I just began to see five things. I feel like the God, God revealed to me that the enemy is a five-trick pony. It's all he has. And it's what he does all over the world. And the things that I was a part of, you know, education is the most powerful weapon to change the world. No, it's not. Water changes everything. No, it's not. Those are just the what. What we see, the needs that people have are the what. That's the 10% of what we see, if we can discover it. But what's important is the 90% why. And once you address the what, 
It doesn't mean anything unless you bring the transforming, transforming power of Jesus Christ to address the why in their lives of what brought them to that place. Jesus changes everything, period. Full stop. And so when I encountered Pastor Dave Mudd, this has been the most exciting North American experiment I've ever been a part of. Because you have a man with a vision, you have a man who's hungry to make the biggest impact in his community, and part of making that impact is understanding the need. That is what's hard to do. But from my experience, I realize, well, the enemy only has five things as far as I can understand, so there's probably just five things that are happening in your backyard too. And so we began to study the local community. And what we realize is though the context changes, the global giants don't. What's HIV and malaria and tuberculosis in one place is mental illness and opioid addiction in another place. Enemies doing the same thing. It's just subtler. And the Bible says that they will know that we are Christians by our love, right? That's not just a hug and a handshake. God has given us the insight, the knowledge, the experience to understand the why behind the what. Once we realize all of the what's in the area, we can start to address the why so that we can bring the transforming power of Jesus into that why and bring healing to our community. That's the justice-seeking church. And so we have an opportunity. Uh, we've got people all over the world coming to the table We've got men and women all over the world with vision. They're hungry to make the greatest impact. They see that there are needs and they're overwhelmed. And what we've been able to do is we've been able to make, you know, what, what seems like a screaming giant into a tiny church mouse. He's just trying to do five things. And once we, once we bring clarity and focus to our efforts, our knowledge, our passion, because as we go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, what does Jesus say before that? You will be filled with my spirit. So when we understand how to build a bridge to make an access point because we see a need, what we're bringing into that interaction is not just good strategy. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's overwhelming for people. So hear me as I share what's going to be happening with m 6 We are not trying to build our Hope Collective Kingdom. Did you hear me say that? We are not, yes, sir. We are not trying to build our Hope Collective Kingdom. We are not planting campuses. We are not simulcasting. Okay? What we have is knowledge and experience. We're not the experts, but God has given us knowledge and experience to come alongside local people of peace and help them discern and discover how the Holy Spirit might build them into the most forceful justice-seeking church in their community. All missions is local missions. It may not be a Hope Center, Hope Center, ladies and gentlemen. We are not planting Hope Centers all over the world. We're not replicating Hope Centers all over the world. We are cultivating a people of hope that can become a place of hope for all people no matter what needs they face. All right? That's M68. So a couple weeks ago, I was in Knoxville. Charlie Deaver, Hope Knoxville. They are merging with another church, Aaron Loy, Commonwealth Church. 
I spent some time just kind of uh, communicating the, the process of M6A, the process that led Alpine Chapel to become the Hope Collective, to become the Hope Center. And before I left, they said, we are all in. We are all in. In a couple weeks, we're going to be visiting uh, T.J. Poisel So Revival in Racine, Wisconsin. We're going to be hanging out with Chris Ophis in Little Village. And then internationally, of course, Haiti. Our heart has been there forever, and it's not going anywhere. Brazil, we've supported missionary Flavio's back and forth. Brazil's on the table. And before the end of the year, I will be going to Bangladesh, Cambodia, and Lebanon to help discover and discern the justice-seeking church in those areas. So, what became one justice-seeking church in one place is becoming a global family of justice-seeking churches. All right? And what's powerful about the Give Hope campaign. If you have been generous, if you are a part of that campaign, let me share something that's really powerful. You are going to be a part of bringing hope to people that you will never meet in places that you will never go. And that is powerful. And I am so, I'm passionate, I'm emotional. I love being a part of this and I can't wait to see how God grows this family of justice-seeking churches. Thanks. Um, anybody else? Micah, just, can you give us just a second to just elaborate one more time? Can, can you just again unpack about how we're not just partnering with them to bring our knowledge, but how that knowledge is going to go back and forth. Yeah. Well, I can, uh, how am I, I'm already out of time. Uh, yep. Um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the problems with missions is that we have the answer and we need to bring Jesus to other places as if we have him in our back pocket and we take Jesus. Jesus is actually inviting us to where he already is. And that type of mission, whether it's North America or international, is reciprocal, all right? And so what many North Americans that I interact with, what they suffer from is a very small worldview. You know, North American problems. Very small worldview, complaining about gas prices and politics and all that kind of stuff. And I tell you, when you meet someone who's in the hovels of the poor, working it every day, loving on people, and they are grateful and they are filled with joy, you're not only convicted, but your worldview explodes and you get a brand new perspective on the heart of God, the greatness of God, the compassion of God. And so it goes both ways. Whatever is transferable, I give you. Contextualize it, use it, so that you can be the most effective justice-seeking church in your area. But what I receive is far greater. 
I get to see the compassionate heart of God for his children, and it makes me feel very small and very grateful and fires me up to be a part of his kingdom locally, nationally, and globally. Thank you. That's good. Jeremy, in just one minute, just really quick, you had said first service about we don't bring staff on to do the job for you. Yeah, and, and, and part of what you should hear both when I was talking about our staff and even the people sitting up here is we have a tendency to think that, uh, well, it's a business, so we hired a person to solve a problem. Cool, you got it. See ya. Uh, we hired leaders to lead people who are disciples of Jesus to go do the work that God called all of us to, not just the children's pastor, go take care of the kids, see you later. Not just the youth pastor, go take care of the youth and see you later. Not just, hey, they're young adults. Hey, hey, hey you're, you're, we hired you to take care of it. Terrence, you have to take care of all the hope in the community. <laughs> it won't work. We brought people in to lead people, not to do the work of the ministry, but to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, which is what the scripture calls us to. Yeah. And we're calling you out to do the kinds of things that God called you to do that we're just here to help equip you to do because God's going to do more than the people sitting on the stage can possibly imagine. Yeah. And just real quick, 30 seconds. What are you most excited about right now when it comes to this vision of Hope Center? What I'm most excited about is seeing people like you who are watching online and those that are sitting in the room getting excited and actually actively doing what God has called and created you to do. Yeah. Before we go, I want you to, to hear what all of this hangs on. Sarah, would you put that back up, the diagram of the org chart? Because there's one thing I want you to see above all of this. Nope, the org chart with, there it is, that right there. If you see the diagram Jeremy explained has a point, that point is the go fight giants. The, the vision of this whole thing is that people come to know Jesus. If people aren't coming to know Jesus, we stop. We just stop. This has to be about the, the thing that God's doing in us so he can do it through us. That's the justice-seeking church. That is the church that is being spiritual. If we're committed to your spiritual formation, to you becoming like Christ, so that we can be locally invested and globally focused, so that God can be glorified in all things. Watch this video, and we'll close with one more thought. That's cool. We do not want to be a church that says and doesn't do. 
And so in the spirit of, we want to create spaces for people who don't know Christ to come and ask the hard questions and find answers because we do believe Jesus is the answer. Alpha, one of my favorite things that's going on in the world has been for years and years. I've got to experience it. You guys are here because we're launching Alpha and that's possible because of what you guys are bringing to the table. Why, what is Alpha? We got a little taste, but what is that? So Alpha is an 11 week um, series of sessions that gives everybody an opportunity to talk about things that matter in terms of life, faith, and meaning. You can be an atheist, you can be a skeptic, you can be a new believer, or you might be a seasoned Christian who just wants to sort of reinforce the foundations of your faith. That's what we do, and we do it in, in a group setting around a table. And it's done in a non-judgmental way where you can show up and just share your opinion and discuss some of these things that matter. Give us a little more on that. Specifically, um, we're going to be launching September 15th, and we're going to be meeting here at the church. Um, it's from 6 to 8 at night. And um, in those two hours, we're going to do three things. We're going to have food. Yes. We're going to have a video talk, and we're going to have a discussion. Awesome. And so it's a free dinner, and the food is going to be awesome. We've got a great hospitality team putting that together for us. Then uh, the talk is a video talk that really focuses on things that are, um, like as Dave said, origin, meaning, purpose, you know, things that are of the heart of God. Um, and then that talk will spark discussion and conversation, and that's the third part. It's going to be a place where you, you can come to a table um, and have meaningful conversations, ask questions, and no question is off limits. So it's a very safe, fun environment for you to come, for you to bring your friends, for people that are far from God to, um, to just uh, participate in Alpha. Awesome. So why are you guys doing this? Why is Alpha ringing so big for you guys? Um, <clears throat> there's, there's three reasons, I think. Uh, one is more personal to me, um, and that is that this, I just enjoy this kind of conversation. When we get in a, uh, around a table and we talk with people who are seeking, trying to figure out what is Christianity, who is Jesus, why did he have to die, what is, is, can I trust the Bible, those kinds of questions. It's just fascinating to me that as the discussion goes on, you'll see the lights go on in their eyes. You'll see the, um, the defensiveness come down as they're able to just discuss this stuff. So that, that's just something that I enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. On a more broad level, um, you know, we, we talk about um, the experience of what we've done. We've actually experienced Alpha um, in, a, in a few different ways. One was we participated in Alpha back in 2020 before COVID shut everything down. That was a good experience. Um, we, I've done it with a, uh, a group, a small group of young men. That has been a good experience. And then we actually, we're led to do it in our neighborhood. We actually invited a couple of neighbors from across the street, a neighbor from behind us, and said, would you like to come and, um, and get to know each other and build a sense of community around discussions that, about meaningful things? And all of them said yes. And that has been a, a fantastic um, experience in terms of running the, the Alpha program for 11 weeks. And then we, that turned into a Bible study. All of them said, yeah, we want to stay and do this. That's so awesome. We, yeah, so we did uh, the Gospel of John over the last year. We're going to start meeting again. <clears throat> Sorry for my voice. We're starting uh, again in September, just a couple of weeks. 
and we're going to go through another book. So that's been a great experience. And then the last thing is we've been talking about hope all morning here. And when the Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy, he says in 1 Timothy 1.1, he says he introduces himself, Paul, an apostle by the command, uh, apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. He writes a second letter to Timothy later and he says, um, disciple those who can disciple others. And what he's saying in the, just those two verses, and that's 2 Timothy 2. Two. So you can remember it, 1 Timothy 1.1, 1, 1, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Nice. Go look at both these things. Um, he says, um, when you think about where our hope come from, comes from, it's in a person. There isn't anybody that you talk with or that you know that isn't somewhere on a spiritual continuum. They're either moving away from Christ or they're moving towards Christ or maybe in some places they're just stagnant. Mm-hmm. But they're on that continuum, just like the disciples were. They didn't know Jesus when he first invited them to follow. He, they had to follow him around and figure out, who is this guy? What is, is this actually what he does? And we all know the crazy stuff that happened, some of the stupid things they said or did as they tried to follow and understand. It's a, kind of the same thing with this. You bring, invite people and you give them a chance to ask questions and to figure out who is Jesus and what is the church and can I, can I trust that this is where I should be? That's huge. That's awesome. Before I ask the last question, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. As we wrap up, Barb, could you just tell us how people could engage this and how we can be involved in this? And this is actually for a lot of us in the room. Right. Um, First, we can all pray. Pray unceasingly, scripture says. And so would you pray for this ministry? Would you pray for the people that come to this place for the first time? Um, And would you pray for the leaders in in the ministry? We pray in this church the Lord's Prayer. Luke uh, 11, 2. So set your timer, set your uh, uh, alarms for 11.02. And when that hits, pray. Pray that your will be done, your kingdom come. And I I just pray with you that the Lord's will be done and that his kingdom comes through Alpha. Second thing, come. These are invitations for you. Dave said earlier in the, in, this, uh, in the service today, join in what God is blessing. And can I just tell you how God is blessing Alpha before it even starts with food and people and prayer. We have a prayer team and um, God is doing a work. And, and child care. And child care, yes. So um, yeah, <laughs> it's just amazing. And so come and then Come with a friend. Like we were bold and went across the street and asked our neighbors to join us in Alpha. And they could have said no, but they said yes before we even finished asking. Um, so invite someone. Take, we have lots of invitations. Invite someone. Come yourself. Learn. Experience it. It will bless you. I promise you. The Lord will bless you through this ministry. But bring someone with you. We have plenty of space, plenty of food, and we would love to see you there. Um, And then Dave and I, we have a a table with the big red um, alpha sign out there. We'd love to give you invitations to give to your people, and uh, we'd love to invite you personally. So come and uh, talk with us afterwards. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Let's pray. Can we do that? God, we are incredibly grateful for people like Dave and Barb and many others sitting in this room who step up and say, we want to do something for the kingdom that's bigger than ourselves. God, may that continue to happen. May we be a people that live for your kingdom, that get away from our dual lives and live a life for you. 
whatever it takes, whatever healing has to happen, whatever we have to do to be disciples who make disciples. And give us, God, that clarity for what it is you're calling us to be part of as we ask that question, what are you calling me to do as part of your mission? And so, God, we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we go into September, you're going to hear more from Jeremy and Micah and uh, Terrence. So just be ready for that. Super excited about where God has taken us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your patience. Go get your kids. We love you guys. Have a great week. Thanks for spending time with the Hope Collective. If you appreciated this message, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. You can also leave a rating or review, which will help other listeners find us online. Thanks again for joining us.